Good morning. I've got a, something special for you this morning. Uh, you know, we have, we have a wonderful group of musicians here at the church. And uh, yes, yes, thank you. And, uh, and many of those are, are the orchestra as well as the band. But I've been wanting to feature them for a while. And so I thought today would be a great day to just... Let them kind of be featured as they lead us in worship. Uh, so this morning we're going to start off by singing all, I mean, we're going to sing, start off by playing all creatures of our God and King.
Isn't that great? I love it. Takes me back to my old jazz band days in high school. Love that stuff. Now let's stand together and sing to our God. We are worshiping our God this morning and remembering that he is God above all. King of kings and Lord of lords. are only pretenders their power is small all of the kings are here for a moment they rise and they fall but you our soul all that we are is yours for the taking we give up control come on church sing it you oh god hold the days in your hands reign over us we surrender command to our god the invincible the all-powerful
places we go in North Africa, if you walked out the door and you said, I want to go find a Christian today, you would have to meet 33,000 people plus before you would meet a Christian. And I climbed up on the wall, and it was this humongous cemetery. And I thought to myself, 0.01% of the people in that cemetery is in heaven today. I came back and I showed that picture to my church. I said, church, we've got to go. Henderson had not even taken an actual mission trip. So we put a team together, began to study unreached people groups, ended up going to Europe where there are 500,000 North Africans all over the city. And he took us to the church that we partner with now and they were already reaching out to Muslims and they've made us better. We were able to open our first school in North Africa to see people come to faith, disciple them, and to see church planted. The nations could be reached within our lifetime and so that became really exciting for us to be part of that and we kept making trip after trip after trip. My eyes were completely open. This is what heaven will look like. Languages, cultures. For us to be obedient, that means we can go, we can actually go and do it. We have a pastor from the Middle East. His services are being watched literally all over the world. He is seeing people come to faith all the time. The Great Commission says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you to do. Being obedient, it's hard, it's difficult, has propelled us to the ends of the earth. We're in a season of prayer for world missions, and along with our praying, we are also giving. And so we are starting our world's missions offering. And so as a church, we've set a goal for 27,000. And right now, we're a little over halfway there at about 15,000. So we want to encourage you. Not all of us are able to go, but we can all give. And this is the way that we can be a part of the Great Commission, sending missionaries to the ends of the earth to reach people who have never heard and have no access uh, to hear. So we, uh, we're glad you're here. Welcome to First Baptist Church. If you're a guest with us, we especially want to get to know you. And so what we would ask is if you'd fill out that guest card that's located in front of you in the pew rack, if you could take one of those out, fill it out for us. And then after our service, if you could just walk by the Welcome Center, there's a spot there where you can just drop that off, and we have a small gift for you coming and being a part of our service. It's just a way that we can express gratitude for you being here and worshiping with us this morning. As we continue to worship, let's take a moment to pray and ask God to meet with us here in this space. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. And God, as we celebrate Christmas and we're reminded that Jesus is a missionary, that he left the glory of heaven and he came here to earth. God, that this also means for us as Jesus followers that we're called also to be missionaries, God. Whether it mean that we would leave our home and go to the nations or that we would leave our home and go to our neighborhood, Father. Whatever the case may be, help us to live on mission. I pray that as we pray for world missions, God, you would inspire us to give, to be generous to the cause of the Great Commission. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' good name. Amen. Will you stand with us and let's sing together.
you turned into wine Open the eyes of the blind There's no one like you None like you Into the darkness you shine Out of the ashes we rise There's no
Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. You can be seated as we continue to worship. Thank you guys so much. So there are two groups of people in America, okay? Group A believes that you should not put Christmas decorations up before Thanksgiving. <laughs> Group A believes you should not play Christmas music before Thanksgiving. 
To do so would slight the holiday of Thanksgiving. First there's Thanksgiving, then there's Christmas. Group B believes it's never too early to put up Christmas decorations. And that certainly by the time the last trick-or-treater leaves on Halloween, it's time to get the tree up. So I'm telling you this to tell you why we're doing a Christmas song before Thanksgiving. So that you group A people will not glare at Jennifer as she sings this song. (laughs) Or frown at Todd because we're doing a Christmas song. So I'm doing a series of sermons, seven weeks, on Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah that are fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. And I could have done these uh, prophecies in the order they were predicted. In other words, we could just start at Genesis and go through them. But, but that, I think that would seem a little jumbled. And so what I'm doing, I'm sharing them in order of fulfillment. So we're going to see the prophecies of his birth, prophecies of his ministry, prophecies of his rejection and betrayal, prophecies of his suffering and death, prophecies of his resurrection, return, and rule. Okay? To do that, we've got to get the ones on the birth first so it comes before Thanksgiving. Are you with me? So I'm thankful. We don't want to slight Thanksgiving. But I'm most of all thankful for Jesus and for his coming. And so we're going to celebrate that today. How was that? You think that was okay? All right, let's go. In the beginning, God created a wonderful world for us to live in, but we rebelled against him, and we brought the curse of sin and death upon ourselves. And yet, even in the midst of this curse, God, in his goodness and love, offered us a glimmer of hope. He said a child born of woman would crush the power of evil. God began to give us more and more clues about his coming hope. He'd be a prophet like Moses who would tell us the truth. He'd be a priest like Melchizedek who would bring us blameless to God. He'd be a king like David who would rule our world with justice and truth. He would be the hope of Israel and the Savior of the world. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders.
prophecies have come true we're the most favored of generations God has stepped out of heaven and come to us we're not alone God is with us there is strength for living there is hope for dying there is a peace even in the midst of suffering there is a joy that is real and the God who planned the coming of his son is also in control of your life and he says to you today, be calm, don't be afraid, you can trust me. From the beginning, before the foundation of the earth, God knew your name. This child was born for you. Thank you guys for leading us in worship this morning. Appreciate you so much. So I'm sharing a series of sermons on the prophecies in the Old Testament that point us to the Messiah, the Anointed One. And we've seen so far the prophecies about his family tree, and we've seen the prophecies about his offices or titles, and now today we want to look at prophecies about his birth. There is a card available at the Welcome Center if you'd like to have one that has all 40 of these prophecies that we're going to be looking at over the uh, coming weeks on that card that you could put in your Bible and have with you. Today I want to share with you, as we look at prophecies about his birth, there are three types of prophecies uh, in the Old Testament about Jesus. Number one is direct prophecies. There are some that are direct, future tense, predictions of a coming Messiah. This is what will be. 
those are the strongest for apologetics. In other words, one of the purposes of this sermon series is that you could explain why you believe the Bible is true. Why do we believe the Bible is true? A lot of people attack the Bible, doubt the Bible. Why do we believe it's true? Fulfilled prophecy is one of those. So direct prophecies are going to be the strongest apologetic argument. There are also second type of prophecies. We're going to look at all three of these types today. Second type of prophecies are dual fulfillment prophecies. That is, they're a future tense prophecy, but they have an immediate fulfillment in the context of the Old Testament, but that doesn't fill it full, and there's a, a future or secondary fuller meaning. Third the type of prophecies are parallels. They're not future tense predictions. They're statements of something that happened in the Old Testament but they bear such a resemblance and to what happens in Jesus' life that it cannot be coincidence, it is parallels. Now, if you're a skeptic, you may not, you'll sort of dismiss this third type, but the, the strongest arguments are this first type. We're going to see all three of these today, so maybe you'll understand a little bit better about what I'm talking about. So, let's look at four prophecies about the birth of the Messiah. Number one, the first prophecy is that the Messiah will be born of a virgin. And this is one of those dual fulfillment prophecies. It's found in Isaiah. Before we look at the scripture, let me give you some background. The year is 732 B.C. Ahaz is king of Judah. And there are two kings to the north of him, Pekah and Rezin, and they are threatening to attack him. They have said, we want you to form an alliance with us against the superpower of Assyria. And if you don't form an alliance and go fight with us, we're going to fight you. Ahaz doesn't want to do that, but he's under great pressure and he's afraid. And God sends the prophet Isaiah to go see King Ahaz to tell him, keep calm, don't be afraid, you can trust me. These two kings that you fear will soon be gone off the scene. They seem like threatening powers now, but in a few years I'm going to sweep them away. God says through Isaiah, King Ahaz, ask for a sign. I want to reassure you, so you ask for some sign, and I'll give you a sign so that you'll know you can trust me, and this is true. King Ahaz says he doesn't want to ask for a sign. reason is he's already made up his mind what he's going to do. He's going to ask Assyria for help, and that's going to be disastrous. So God says through Isaiah, okay, I'll give you a sign anyway that these two kings will soon be gone. That's the background. Let's begin reading in Isaiah chapter 7. Verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. There's the prophecy, but it has an immediate fulfillment because the next verse says, he'll be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. So you get why this has to be a dual fulfillment prophecy? Because it obviously has an immediate meaning in the context, doesn't it? Because he said, a virgin will conceive, bear a child, before the, the, the boy, bear a son, before the boy is old enough to know right from wrong, these two kings are gone. So however old that you think that is, five years, ten years, but within a few years... They're going to be gone, and this is the sign to you. So the immediate fulfillment of that prophecy, I think, is in the next chapter, Isaiah 8, verses 3 through 4. It says, then Isaiah was intimate with his new wife, who would have been a virgin, and they, she conceived 
and gave birth to a son, and the Lord said to me, name him Mahashalal Hashbaz. Over the years, I have tried to counsel young couples when they are pregnant and expecting a baby that I've got a biblical name for you to name <laughs> your son when he's born. And they say, oh, what is it? I said, it's the longest name in the Bible. It is Mahashalal Hashbaz. No one has accepted my advice to this point. I, I don't know why. But uh, that's the symbolic name that God had told them. It means your enemies will quickly be plundered. Maybe nobody wants to name their kid. Your enemies will quickly be plundered. I don't know. But look at the next verse. For before the boy knows how to say, my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the plunder of Samaria will be carried off by the king of Assyria. Threat's going to be gone. So you see how this prophecy had an immediate fulfillment? But that didn't fill it full. It fulfilled it, but it didn't fill it full because the very next chapter, still a part of this set, still a part of this conversation, says in Isaiah 9 that there is still a child to be born who will be a, not a son of the prophet Isaiah, but a son of a king. He'll be a king, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So there's still a future or secondary fulfillment to that. What is that final and greater fulfillment? Let me read to you Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, important title, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you'll give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this prophecy given through Isaiah had a First fulfillment in that a virgin, a woman who had never been with a man, conceived by normal means when she came together by her husband, she, a virgin later conceived in the normal means, but then it had a secondary fulfillment, a greater fulfillment, a literal fulfillment in Jesus when a virgin who had never been with a man conceived and gave birth, and that is the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Do you see the, the greater fulfillment of that prophecy? So the first prophecy we see is that the Messiah will be born of a virgin. The second prophecy of the Messiah that I want to share with you is a direct prophecy. This is one of the strong prophecies for those who do not believe the Bible. It is that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. The place of his birth will be Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the hometown of David. So not only will he be descended from David, but he will be 
from David's ancestral home. You may know the story of how Samuel went to Bethlehem and anointed one of the sons of Jesse as king. David lived there. You may know the book of Ruth, which is to tell us that Ruth went to met Boaz when they returned to Bethlehem and there they married and became the great-grandparents of David. And so in Micah chapter 5 verse 2, Micah says, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah. This was a small town. This was an insignificant. It was not like Jerusalem where David moved and made his capital and became a large city. This is a little place. Though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And that means, of course, not only is he from the lineage of David, but we know it means he's the eternal one. Therefore, verse 3, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. So there'll be a time when your nation seems to be abandoned, but then I'll do a work again when one who is in labor gives birth and draws the people back to him. Verse 4, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they'll live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. So there is predicted a king who will rule who comes from Bethlehem. And that too is fulfilled in Jesus. Well, how could that be? Because we just read about Mary. She lives in Galilee, 100 miles to the north of the southern town of Bethlehem. Well, the way that God is in control of history and of world events and of politics, he arranged for a census that would cause everyone to go to their ancestral home. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, in those days Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, the most powerful person in the world at that time, and yet God directs what he does, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. And then Matthew's gospel tells us also this, about this place because in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. King Herod heard he is disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. He didn't want any competition of a newborn king. He called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law and he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. 
Well, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, he's quoting up Micah 5 too, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Wise men will know, where should we look for a king? Well, Herod didn't know. He didn't do his daily Bible readings. He didn't know Micah. He didn't know where it was. But he went to the, to the scribes, and they knew right away. This was common knowledge. Oh, we're looking for a Messiah. We're looking for somebody who's born in Bethlehem. That's where the king's going to be born. Micah says it here. Let me read it to you. So they all agreed that this was a direct prophecy of the Messiah, and they were looking for that. And they could readily say he was born in Bethlehem. If you're looking for hope, if you're looking for a hero, if you're looking for a deliverer, don't look to somebody born in Philadelphia. Don't look for somebody born in New York City or Los Angeles. Don't look for somebody born in Moscow or Paris or Rome. Jesus, the Bible said he'd be born in Bethlehem. Dr. Phil wasn't born in Bethlehem. Oprah wasn't born in Bethlehem. Donald Trump wasn't born in Bethlehem. The one who saves us is the one born in Bethlehem. His name is Jesus. He's our only hope. Matthew has three geographical references in Matthew 2 of prophecies. We already looked at the first one, right? Be born in Bethlehem. Now the next prophecy is the Messiah will come out of Egypt. Born in Bethlehem, but will come out of Egypt. Look at Matthew 2.13. So when the wise men had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Now, this is not a direct prophecy and it's not a dual fulfillment prophecy. This is a parallel. It is not a strict prediction. In Hosea 11.1, 1, it's describing the past. Hosea is talking about when Israel during the Exodus came out of Egypt. The first part of the verse says, when Israel was a child, I loved her. Out of Egypt, I called my son. But Matthew sees such a parallel between the people of God coming out of Egypt in the Old Testament and the Savior coming out of Egypt in the New Testament that he says, this is too big to be a coincidence. This is a part of God's divine plan that just as God sent his people Israel for safety for a while to get out of famine to Egypt. So he sent his only son under the threat of Herod to Egypt and brought him out of Egypt. So he says that this Messiah will come out of Egypt. There's a third geographical reference in Matthew. The Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. The Messiah will come out of Egypt. And the Messiah's light will come, will shine from Galilee. From Galilee. So let's go back to Isaiah 9. Remember, we looked at Isaiah 7, 8, and 9 about the prophecy of the virgin birth fulfilled in Isaiah 8, future fulfillment in Isaiah 9, that place where it says, Unto us a child is born. Let me read to you Isaiah 9, 1, that same passage where it says, To us a child is born. Nevertheless, there'll be no more gloom for those who are in distress. That's good news, isn't it? You're in distress. No more gloom for those in distress. 
in the past, God humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the two tribes given the area of Galilee. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. In the future, here's a direct prophecy, a direct strong prophecy here for the defense of the Bible. In the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. And then it says the people walking in darkness will see a great light. So let's go back to Matthew 2. We've seen two geographical references in Matthew 2. Let's see a third one. Beginning in verse 19, Matthew 2, 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So it's okay to leave Egypt now and go back to Israel. So he got up, took the child, his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. So Joseph wanted to go back to Bethlehem or the place of Judea. He didn't want to go back home to Nazareth. He didn't want to go back home to the place where people had said, so your girlfriend is pregnant and you've got this story. He didn't want to go back there. But he couldn't stay in Judea because the son of Herod that was just like Herod was there, Archelaus. So having been warned in a dream, verse 22, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. And Jesus began his ministry in Galilee. The light of the Messiah shone forth from Galilee. Isn't that amazing? In Matthew 2, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, come out of Egypt, but his light would shine forth from Galilee, and Jesus fulfilled that exactly. If you're looking for hope, God has given us these clues like a mystery. And today we see about his birth that you would look for one born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, who came out of Egypt, but whose ministry was in Galilee. It's Jesus. God wants you to have that light and that hope, and he's pointing you to this one whose name is Jesus. Would you put your faith in him? He's the one God has planned. He's the one that you've been looking for. Would you today say, I believe this. This makes sense. I, I'll be a follower of Jesus. Maybe you today are like King Ahaz, and you are worried and fearful and fretful because there is impending disaster there are some problems in your life that you're concerned about and God would say to you keep calm don't be afraid you can trust me do you not see that how these people when they were in the midst of God's plan would not have seen what was going on when Joseph first got word Mary, go ahead and marry Mary, the child that she's bearing is of the Holy Spirit. What? That didn't make sense to him. And then right when she's about nine months pregnant, here comes this census, and he has to go tell Mary, um, we got to travel 100 miles south to Bethlehem. What? I'm about to, I can't travel. Well, I don't know, I don't know why God would do this to us, but, but, 
well, we're going to have to go. We've got to go to Bethlehem. And they make their journey to Bethlehem. And, 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 and they have the baby. And they finally get in a house, a place to live. And um, since the wise men came, they were in a house. And, and, and then in the middle of the night, Joseph wakes up and says, Mary, Mary, wake up. We've got to go. When? Right now. We've got to leave right now. I just had a dream. An angel spoke to me in a dream. We're in great danger. It's coming. We've got to go. What? talking about where are we going to go we're going to Egypt Egypt we can't go to Egypt I saw a caravan outside of town they're, they're, they're camped there we can we can go join them we don't have any money to pay a caravan to Egypt yeah Mary we got gold remember we got frankincense myrrh and gold yeah so they in the middle of the night get up what what in the world if God is in control are we running in the middle of the night to go to Egypt and then they, they leave Egypt, and they're going to come to Judea, and it's a threatening situation there, and they got to go back home to where they came from, where they don't want to go. And in all that, they probably thought, God, what are you doing? Do you not love us? Why would you make us get up in the night and run away? Why can't you? And God had a plan the whole time, didn't he? And God was doing what was best for them, and God was fulfilling his promises that you might believe. Could it not be the same in your life? And could it not be that sometimes you're getting up in the night and you're all worried in the middle of the night and you don't know why and surely if God was in control this would not be happening. Could it not be that this same God has a plan for your life and you do not see, the, see it now in the midst of that. But would you believe that the God who ordered all of these prophecies also has a plan for you if you'll obey his will. And he would say to you today, what he said to King Ahaz, keep calm, don't be afraid, you can trust me. Would you bow with me in prayer? Oh Lord, maybe there's somebody worried like Ahaz today, maybe there's somebody stressed out about some of the events of their life or their family or, or what's going on in their job and oh Lord, I, I pray that they would see you're a trustworthy God, that you're a God who has a plan. And I pray they would put their trust in you, not compromise as Ahab was tempted to do, Ahaz was tempted to do, but to trust you to be obedient, to do what's right. Give us strength. And then, Lord, if there are those here who are uncertain about who you are and who Jesus is, I pray that they would begin to see as we make our way through these prophecies that there is evidence to believe. There's confirmation that you are the hope of the world, Lord Jesus. I pray even today there would be those who would believe and put their faith in Jesus and by believing receive the gift of eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. I pray this, Lord Jesus, in your name and for your kingdom. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a song together. And I want to invite you to respond to how God is speaking to your heart. You can meet me at the Welcome Center after this is over if you want to talk or you want to join our church or have other decisions. But you can also come right now during this song just by walking forward, meeting me here. If you're ready to confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized at our baptism next month. If, uh, if you want somebody to pray with you, there'll be somebody here to do that. So if God's moving in your heart, I invite you to respond right now as we sing.
As we close here this morning, we have just a few announcements, some, got several things going on in the life of our church. First, don't forget about our Thanksgiving dinner tonight at 5 o'clock. Uh, you can see there in the worship guide that the turkey, the dressing, 
Uh, the cranberry sauce and drinks are furnished. We're just asking you to bring some sides and come and be a part of that Thanksgiving dinner. And you're going to get to hear some great short one-minute testimonies. And so come tonight at 5 o'clock down in the gym. Uh, you can enter uh, through the doors there on Summer Street and come into the gym. And it'll be a great time of fellowship this evening. Also, if you have got an elementary-aged child, you can pick up down at the welcome desk this uh, The Great Christmas Caper, a family Christmas adventure. It's kind of like an Advent mystery that your kids can solve. They can read the clues and, and find in Scripture and read about uh, the coming of Christ. And so make sure you pick these up down there uh, by the welcome desk coming into the children's door. It's just one per family. Um, they have them down there for you as you're coming in. Also... Um, We've got some tickets for the Saturday night concert, the Saturday and Sunday on, of next uh, weekend, or of the 4th and the 5th, excuse me, Todd. That's right, yes. If, uh, if you like the orchestra, you're going to love this program because we've got this plus, we're going to have a string section, we'll have a percussion section, a full choir, a soloist. It's going to be awesome. I've kind of let this slip up on me, so uh, I've got invitations here. Uh, man, let me, so I've got, I've got these invitations, and so there's some out here on the, on the, the bench out here. There's some at the Welcome Center. Uh, take, you know, take all you want, but use all you take. Give them out to people that says at the top, you are invited to attend. So it's free. You don't have to pay. It's just kind of a way to remind, give it to families around you. Uh, and if you're collecting these, you, you know, you should have six and a half years of these in your, on, you know, papering your bathroom or something. I don't know. Uh, but, uh. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so let's get a good crowd out here. We're going to do it Saturday night and Sunday night, and we'd love for you to come. Oh, we also have Chris. Uh, Chris Welch is going to be doing the narration, and our own Deanne McKenzie. She's, uh, she's ready to just jump in there and, and do it. So it's going to be a great, great program, and it's, started, it's going to be next Saturday and next Sunday. All right, thank you. Two weeks away. I'm sorry, two weeks. Two weeks. So did I say... I'm sorry, yes, the 4th and the 5th, whatever days that is. Thanks, Tim. I'm, I'm sure, Todd, that you have lots of people collecting those invite cards from the last six yeah. years. Um, I just happen to think somebody may have a, a scrapbook somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure days. of it. <clears throat> they probably have that right beside the scrapbook of all their favorite Todd uh, green outfits that you wear from Sunday morning, That's too. right. Yeah, you got to have a that's, picture of those. That's probably what they have. That's right, yeah. Hey, also today is the last day that you can turn in your Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. Um, they are due today. Hopefully you brought them with you. You still have time. You can bring them tonight uh, when you come to the Thanksgiving dinner. And so we have, man, we've had a great turnout of boxes turned in. We're one of the community locations, the, the drops off for the community. And so we have got uh, boxes and boxes filled with these. And so we're, we're excited about that. And Debbie Leet and her crew have worked hard to pack these and get them prepared. And so um, we're going to close in prayer by praying for our shoe boxes. We're in a season of world missions. You can see the, the amount that has already been given to world missions. And so we're over halfway toward our goal this season. So remember to continue to give. And, con you know, this is just one way uh, that we give to uh, impact the gospel around the world. So I'm going to close in prayer by praying for world missions and for these Operation Christmas uh, child boxes. And if you're a guest, as you're making your way out, you can head down to your left and, and uh, Dr. Cox will be there at that welcome desk. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you uh, for sending your son, Jesus, and just hearing about the, uh, the prophecies of him coming and him fulfilling that prophecy. Uh, so Father, that we can have new life in you. 
And so, God, thank you for uh, the encouragement of your word, of the truth of your word, to be able to even see the fulfilled prophecies. God, we just want to pray during this season of, of world missions. Uh, we just want to pray for all of our missionaries that are around the world serving on your behalf. And we pray that our, our gifts go to help further their ministry, to, to provide the supplies and the necessary things they need uh, to be impacting the world for your kingdom. God, we pray for these shoe boxes that we're all packing uh, and collecting. And, and Lord, we, we know that every shoe box represents uh, a child that will hear the gospel and hear about your good news. So, God, we just say thank you for the opportunity to be able to serve you and to love you and to represent you. And we pray uh, for those who will be physically delivering these boxes to countries around the world. And so we pray that, that the, um, the means are, are there, that the mode of transportation, we've seen that they take them by boat, by camels, by all these different things. So, God, I know there's got to be a lot of things that can prevent these boxes from being delivered. But we pray uh, in the name of Jesus that these boxes are, are delivered to kids around the globe. Uh, for the, the proclamation of your name, God. And so we thank you in advance for what you're going to do through these and, and letting us be a part of that. Uh, God, it's in your son's name we pray today. Amen. Oh, holy child of Christmas.